Namaskar. Welcome to the Accessible Yoga Podcast, where we explore the connections between the ancient teachings of yoga in the context of the times we live in. This podcast is brought to you by the Accessible Yoga Association, a nonprofit organization focused on accessibility and equity in yoga. I'm your co-host Anjali Rao. My pronouns are she and her, and I serve as president of the Accessible Yoga Association Board of Directors. And I'm your co-host Shiva Nahiman. My pronouns are he and him, and I serve as the director of the Accessible Yoga Association. I want to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Jivana. My pronouns are he and him, and I'm joining you from Chumash land here, which is now known as Santa Barbara, California. Um, and I'm grateful to all of you. I'm the director of Accessible Yoga. Um, this is our live podcast recording. So welcome, everyone. And thank you for being here. Thanks for being part of the Accessible Yoga community. So today we're celebrating a few things I wanted to tell you about. Uh, we're celebrating the opening of our Accessible Yoga Community Online, which is a space I'll share with you uh, about in a moment. Um, and we're also celebrating the launch of our new season of our Accessible Yoga podcast. And the fact that um, Anjali Rao is going to be taking over as president of Accessible Yoga and will join me as co-host of the podcast with this season, which I'm so grateful for, for having her there, for everything she does. But I also just want to spend a moment thanking all the other people involved with Accessible Yoga, all of you who are here today, um, all of our Accessible Yoga ambassadors who are members that support our organization, but also our staff. Uh, in particular, I want to mention Tan, who is here doing um, tech today, because Tan built this new Accessible Yoga community that we're all talking about today. That this It's like an online portal where all, you can find all of our uh, programs and information about Accessible Yoga, and Tan figured it all out themselves, which is kind of a miracle and still teaching me <laughs> and the rest of us <laughs> how to use it. And then Tan will be managing the studio that'll be part of the community as well, um, which is very exciting. So thank you, Tan. I also wanna thank Brina Lord, who's our general manager, Robin Bell, our program manager, Deanna Michalopoulos, uh, communications director. I see Deanna here. Thank you, Deanna. <clears throat> M. Camellia, our blog editor. Garrett Jers, who's our ambassador coordinator, and Sarah Nutridge, who runs our Facebook group, our Accessible Yoga community group over there. So Accessible Yoga Association is a nonprofit in the US. And what that means is that um, nobody owns it. I founded it many years ago. Actually, at this point, it's almost uh, probably 15 years, actually. But um, we are a nonprofit, which means that it's run by a board of directors. The board of directors is actually responsible for the whole organization and I'm uh, the director. So I'm actually an employee of the organization now. Uh, the board of directors mm, controls everything and is ultimately responsible for everything we do. We have an amazing board currently of 12 people. Uh, and I just wanna mention them. Um, I'm gonna just say, let's see, we have Ashley Williams, who's our secretary. Colin Liu is the treasurer. Mary Sims is chair of development committee. Tristan Katz, Chair of Programming. Amina Naru is Chair of Nomination Committee. We have Reggie Hubbard, Ryan McGraw, Priya Wagner, Sunny Barbie, Sarni Fedman, and of course, our current president, Amber Carnes, who is stepping down in October after do, finishing her two-year term. Um, 
And like I said, uh, Anjali Rao will be stepping up as the president at that time. I also just want to take a moment to thank Amber for all of her service to Accessible Yoga. It's been incredible. I love her so much. I don't know if she's here today, but I just want to say thank you, Amber, for everything you've done um, running the organization and also, you know, helping me with the podcast, be my co-host and having all those amazing conversations with me. We have two seasons of conversations together. Um, and Amber's taught me so much and I really wish her the best of luck. Hopefully she'll be a guest on the podcast in the future. And I wanna welcome Anjali again as our incoming president and co-host of the podcast. And you know, I'm excited to explore, I don't know what, just the whole world of yoga with you, Anjali. I just know that already you and I have so many conversations that are very exciting to me. And I'm excited to share them with the world through the podcast. So thanks for doing this. Um, today, what I'd like to do on this podcast, you and I had agreed to this already, is to spend some time talking about you. Because I really want people to get to know you uh, as a co-host. I think people have heard enough from me, probably. Uh, and, I, and I thought it would be fun to explore a little of your personal background and your story, um, you know, and your life experience. Um, and just before we do that, though, I just want to shift back to one minute to the community. And I just want to say, um, this is supposed to be the grand opening of that community. And I just want people to explore it. I think Tan probably already put the link in. Actually, anyone who's here at this um, call is already in the community. It means you found a way to sign up for this new portal we have. And I would just encourage all of you to, to join us there. It's free um, to be part of it. If you want to become an ambassador, that's either a paid membership or by scholarship. So that's also available to anyone who wants to. Ambassadors get access to monthly continuing education. We have themes that change each month. Uh, and we usually have workshops and um, a community forum. Actually, the forum is free also. But we have workshops and asana classes on those themes. Um, that you can participate in as an ambassador. Anyway, so that's the little bit about the community. Again, thank you to everyone who helped build that, especially you, Tan. All right, so back to you, Anjali. Are you ready? Was that enough of a break for you? Yes, thank you. I collected myself. <laughs> okay, so those listening to the podcast, I just want to say, so Anjali just finished the first session of her Bhagavad Gita course. You're welcome to and get free access to that course through our community. Um, and now you're back and we're gonna talk about you. <laughs> I, first, I, I told Jivana that I don't want to talk about me because it, you know, it's, I, I prefer the, always the role of a teacher, student, anything else rather than talk about me. But Jivana sort of said, I think it's an important one to do. So I said, okay. Yes. Well, because you can teach through uh, this as well by sharing your story with us. So I do want to start first with a short introduction, maybe, and then I can ask you some personal questions. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to start? I have, yeah. I have some folks who want to know the tea. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But you, you start. Tell me a little bit, just your general information that you want to share. Is that okay? Yes, absolutely. So uh, hello, everyone. And for those of you who are joining us today, a very warm welcome. I am um, Anjali Rao. I go by she, her. They're my, she, hers, 
my pronouns. I live right now in the land of the Ohlone, uh, Bay Area Pleasanton. And um, I consider myself uh, Indian American, first generation immigrant I am. I come from Bangalore, uh, India, which is right now flooded and um, trying to figure out how to support many folks right now who are going through great hardship right there. Mm. Uh, so I've lived in both the countries equal number of years. Uh, so actually a little bit more than, than uh, more here than there. And as you can see, I'm not very comfortable talking about myself. I, give me Bhagavad Gita, I can talk, but talk about myself, it's really hard. Uh, <laughs> so I came to this country as a student um, and I worked in... Uh, my, my interest has always been culture and, uh, you know, di the dynamics of culture. I, talked, I, I studied here, in, did my master's here in um, human communication with a focus on adult education. And back in India, I was a microbiologist. So I have a very scientific sort of uh, inclination. I'm very nerdy and I like to study and research a lot. Hold on, and wait, wait. So, yeah, wait. <laughs> Microbiologist. So, and then you were doing education here. Is that what you said in the U.S.? I taught. I taught in Portland, uh, Portland State University. It was a part of a program, and I taught uh, intercultural communication and public speaking here. Uh -huh. And then I got sucked into this uh, corporate world, and I was terrible at it. I, I created a lot of trouble with with people there, and people were like, "What are you doing here?" So it was definitely not a good fit. But I tried. It for a good amount of time and I said it's not going to work for me uh, and meanwhile I had two children and then I got diagnosed with early stage breast cancer and my teacher who is here Laurie and I, want, I just want to give you a shout out she's my friend uh, she's seen me through so many things and thank you Laurie for coming um, so yeah I was diagnosed with early stage breast cancer at the age of 37 and I had to do a do, you know, do a bilateral mastectomy and reconstruction. And then I realized that I'm not really uh, strong physically and thus started my foray into asana. I never studied asana in India. My practice has always been through dance, um, physical practice of movement practices dance. But also it's interesting that dance in India, the Indian classical dance tradition is more about physical movement. It is actually a connection with the divine, which is using the mechanism, the movements of the body, but it is also uh, in connection, transcending the human body in connection to the spiritual uh, teachings of different eras and ages. So uh, it was a lot of, a lot of the teachings were centered around bhakti yoga. So back then, of course, I had no idea that that was called bhakti yoga. I just was, I studied three different dance forms, Bharatnatyam, Kathak, and Odissi. And that has inspired, that continues to inspire my physical practice. Uh, and I see any part of my physical practice as being also in conjunction with uh, spirituality, quote unquote, or, uh, or even philosophy and you know, all of that, and culture. So uh, my first class of my asra, I, I got such a sense of connection to my physical body, which a lot of cancer survivors face a sort of a disconnection with the with the human body and I knew something yeah. I shifted. I hated asana as a child I thought it was really boring uh, but 
something had shifted, something magical had happened in, uh, in my first asana class. And I went to my teacher and I said, I want to teach this. I want to share this for people who are going mm-hmm. through cancer. And my teacher was like, why don't you come to your second class? <laughs> and then we'll talk. <clears throat> so long story but, short, I finished my second 200 hours yeah. in which Lorian was there who shared the magic of teaching uh, yoga with, uh, with modif- you know, with uh, uh, offering different levels and layers of mm-hmm. the teaching for people who are going through various uh, health challenges, including cancer. So I kind of, did an internship with her in uh, Stanford and I taught once she left she uh, offered this thing to teach in, in Stanford and that I think has been one of my biggest teachings I think we learn from different sources mm-hmm. but for me teachings come from the people who we share the practice with the most but so let's let's go back for a minute I just want to understand um, when you're a child you say that you didn't like asana were you were you was that shared with you were you uh, offered asana practices or just through mostly dance like i know that no, bharat natyam is very spiritual practice like i know it's like storytelling right through dance yeah. yes so a lot of the yes i was offered uh, asana was a part of our school system actually back then this was in the 90s i i think i don't know whether things have changed in many of the schools right now but there's a sort of a revival of of quote unquote yoga in, in school spaces, but that's a whole another conversation. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, I was offered asana. We were all offered asana as a part of our school program and I did not like the teacher. I did not like the practice. I thought it was very boring. Like what is this standing and holding it for like, you know, for a long time. So it did not really, you know, connect with me. My practice was very dynamic, it was moving. So I find stillness in movement. I find I find my mind completely uh, is anchored in movement. And uh, I've come to realize many things about that particular inclination as I've grown older and I've studied more in depth about, uh, you know, the doshas and the swabhava, the inner character and all of that. So, yeah. And then let's go back to you being a troublemaker also, because I think that's an important part of your journey. <laughs> At least I can feel there is a thread of that through your life, it seems. What, what did you mean by that? Like the, you tried to be in the corporate world and they, you just didn't fit in or what was it? that? Well, I was a troublemaker in the sense I was always a questioner. I always did not take any authorities word for you know, for it to be the ultimate truth, I always question. And I think I have to attribute this particular quality, which troubled my parents later, but it was because of my parents. Uh, my dad was an atheist and my mom mm. is a believer. Uh, so, uh, you know, in, in her own rituals and tradition kind of a thing. But we were very well, we were very, um, you know, it was very open in our home to have these discussions and arguments and uh, back and forth about everything back then so we grew up with that and we were always encouraged to read beyond what is in our syllabus we always read I read my first discovery of Vivekananda was as a 13 year old and I loved Vivekananda's teachings because Vivekananda was a rebel himself and uh, I connected to uh, Vivekananda's teachings Uh, so even then I did not really connect it to yoga you know I connected it to yoga much later in my in my life and bhakti yoga was a big part of our growing up because I saw it all around me. And I, in, in my own 
rebellious way i connected to bhakti yoga the practice of devotion and karma yoga the practice of you know uh, engagement and action uh, we were always encouraged to be in the community and uh, you know do se- offer seva in however ways we could uh, so all of that i realized later is also yoga because you know we always think yoga is only asana but uh, yoga was since then i mean i now know that it's always been a part of my life it just wasn't called yoga then like there wasn't like there was you just doing yeah. these actions right we were <laughs> doing these actions we were studying from different teachers so that's why whenever anyone asks me what is your yoga lineage i have no clear answer i have no clear yoga lineage i have li- i have multiple lineages i've learned yeah. from so many people and yeah. i continue to learn it so I, I i and i understand the importance of lineage and traditions and i get all of that too but there are i'm sure there are many people like me who have learned from multiple teachers with different influences and my teachings I, if i if i were to pinpoint a particular lineage i would say it's my dance tradition because that is the most unbroken tradition of teachings that i've been a part of yes and so so going back to being a troublemaker you said that your it's your parents <laughs> <laughs> right you love this you I, love to ask about my trouble making yeah, i do because well because i think that we're going to get into some trouble together and i'm i <laughs> i think you know as i mean it's a segue i mean i'm happy, i'd love to hear more actually about your story but i also know that we want to talk today about some of the themes that we're going to address in the podcast this season and i think that's the kind of theme <laughs> that i see yeah. coming through a little bit um you know speaking up questioning So I just wanted to like I don't know if you're willing to share a story about what happened when you're in the corporate world. Like is there anything Oh, oh, oh gosh, I don't know whether there's a particular story but I would always kind of question about, you know, uh uh why is people say that in the in the corporate culture here in in the United States that it's open door and anybody can talk to anybody and everybody can question it but it's really not that uh, it's really not that simple there is a power dynamic and there is a strong patriarchal leaning even though they say that it's all okay and blah blah, blah. so it, it isn't really that there is a patriarchal way of uh, saying that this is the right way to do it one has to be very intellect in to be intellectual or to be analytical and one can't be emotional i am a very emotional person i can cry at the top of a hat you know which i do uh so i i questioned a lot of that i said why is it that you know why are we not hiring this person i was in hr so i'm like why are we not hiring this person this person has all the qualifications oh it's because of xyz i'm like well, that is not enough so that's you know so sort of clashing about all of that yeah No, that's helpful. I th- I think it's the inquisitiveness that's important and I think something that you and I have spoken about before is that there's a history of that within yoga. This this history of um debate and questioning. I mean really that's what yoga is all about, right? Like questioning reality. Like what are we doing here? Why are we here? You know, who am I? These are like the essential questions of spiritual pursuit and and i would love i would love to hear you talk about that like the, this idea of questioning and debate and argument within yoga history absolutely and a big part of my research is to look at how uh i mean yoga and the definitions of it are so vast so obviously we we can't go into that but it, it what we can say is that it is it, it is an amalgamation of psychology and spirituality and tradition and religion and also it is always embedded within a socio political landscape 
right? It is also shaping what is happening around it and what is happening around it is shaping yoga. So yoga and social change has always been very intertwined. Uh, and yoga and quote-unquote politics or whatever we call it, political change has always been intertwined. So yeah. my project has been to really unravel uh, this uh, mystery of how it has been intertwined. We always say it, some of us have been saying it, but really bring bring in examples and stories of how it has been intertwined with each other. Yeah, I mean, I just love that about you. I think I met you, well, I reached out to you because I loved an article that I saw that you wrote about the history of, I guess, women in ancient yoga. I mean, it was like this amazing journey back. I had not seen anyone talking about that. Um, and I had a sense of that already, that you were kind of challenging some of the assumptions that are made in the contemporary yoga world about that, about what yoga is and also what the history of yoga is. Yes. And actually, there's a story to that because there is this person who wrote on social media, a very powerful yoga teacher, who wrote that it was the West who liberated the women to practice yoga. And uh, I and I was like, really? And at that time, I, even I didn't know. And I was like, wait a minute, is this true? So that got me thinking. And because I'm such a nerd and I'm so like uh, annoyingly, you know, uh, what do you say, precocious or whatever that word is, I started digging through. And then as I started digging through, I realized that first of all, the concept of what yoga is itself is uh, it, it very narrow to this person yeah. because obviously uh, ancient Indians or ancient in the Indic Valley people uh, did not practice asana and that's why it was not there in a public way in, in any literature or whatever. So it's the, it was a very narrow definition of what yoga was. And also, this person had no concept of history or what has happened to India before or since then because of colonization and et cetera, et cetera. So I can write, I mean, I can write a whole book about it. And also that my own bias, like I started writing, I started looking at women first because that, that's where my identity is. And then I realized that there is a bigger thing that I'm not seeing, which is the non-binary folks, which are the trans people. And I needed to kind of delve deeper into that. So where are all these stories? So anything which is busting the cishet patriarchal leanings and the narratives within yoga is what I wanted to look at. <laughs> you have some fans here, I think. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that too. Well, I appreciate that as a queer person because I always am wondering about those things myself. I don't know if I have the... I don't think nerdiness is the word that you're naming yourself. It's a more like intellectual capacity and research um, that goes into that kind of, you know, uh, project of really examining the history. But I always have a sense that there's more to the story, right? There's more to the story. Yoga is such a huge, all-encompassing topic. And to narrow it down into these kind of very thin narratives that, you know, people try to sell, it just has always gotten on my nerves um <laughs> which is why I, I love that piece that you wrote and I, I remember reaching out to you just like wondering like what are you doing like who are you where are you I don't it was a few years ago and I was just like amazed uh, already by that um so I'm grateful to have connected with you about that I'm grateful for you too I think the pandemic happened and all of us were seeking connection to uh yoga community uh, and I know I was and I wanted to seek seek people and connections who were doing the work not only in terms of asana but more because by then I'd already started 
making these discoveries for myself. And I wanted to, I wanted to also, uh, George Floyd happened around that time. And I wanted to start looking into how we can practice yoga in, in terms of, in the, in the context of the times that we live in. Um, right. So I think you were doing that work and I saw a few more others uh, here who are doing this work. So I wanted to connect with them. And that's why I, I was so happy that you reached out. Yeah, I um, I don't even know when that was, but I I wonder if we could talk more about that, like some of the themes that we were going to cover this season. Um, do you want to, I mean, I wrote down a few that we spoke about. Um, I mean, we're already talking about them, this relationship between yoga and politics. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, like how we're going to address that? Sure, I think we're going to delve into some of uh, some history of it, maybe, uh, and talk about the impact of colonization a little bit, and uh, even before that. Um, and yoga as a vehicle of social change has been uh, has has always been there. So we're not kind of creating something new because there's a lot of criticism of my work and your work and many people here like Tejal and you know uh, who, whose whose work has been criticized. So I want yeah. to say that this work has always been there, and. Uh, so yeah, that will be one. And then to talk about, you know, the binaries, the binaries in yoga, binaries in uh, the polarization that exists yeah. in the world, in this, in, in, in society, in the culture around us and how it reflects in, in, in yoga spaces, right? So always bring, bringing these yeah. threads of what happens in the world outside to the yoga space, because it's really not, it's really not separate. It is, it is the people who are doing all of it. Yeah, I like that you bring in binary because I was just thinking about it. Patanjali sutras on asana, I think it's the third one. He talks about by practicing asana, you go beyond duality. And I think that's the duality that we're so stuck in. And binary is just an example of how we live in that world of like good and bad and right and wrong and male and female even. And it's just such a limitation. And that yoga is really about transcending that, that like prison actually that we've created for the mind, you know, um, that causes a lot of suffering and actually a lot of harm, um, not only to people, but to the whole planet. And I, I just feel like this conversation is not just important in terms of addressing misunderstandings in the yoga world, but also I think the ways that yoga can actually lead towards not only uh, healing, but healing in a more global way, like how we can actually use spiritual practices like yoga and other indigenous practices, and I shouldn't say use them, but engage in them in a way that's respectful and also productive for, for our societies and our communities and, our, and, and the planet. That was Absolutely. my rant. Yes. Absolutely. Well said. I think we should, I think we can leave this conversation with that note then. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to share about the next season? Um, I think that that's about it. I, that okay. Those will be the themes that we will explore. Yeah. All right. I'm looking Good. forward to sharing this conversation. Me too. I'm excited to talk to you more. Um, all right. So the last thing I would like to share is just some of the upcoming events we have at the Accessible Yoga Association. So I mentioned the new community space. You can find it um, through our website, accessibleyoga.org. And um, you can join um, Anjali for the next three parts of her Gita course. Or if you've missed it, if this comes out later, you can come back and find the recordings there as well. Um, we have um, monthly edu continuing education programs. The month of September, it's Yoga for Cancers, the theme. 
Uh, and so we have some amazing programming there. And also in October, we have our annual Accessible Yoga Conference online, which is our big event of the year. The theme is moving from me to we, and it takes place October 14th through 16th. I think the registration will be open soon in the next few days. There's a list um, and details available here. I think in the chat, you can find that. We'll also add that to the podcast notes. Thank you, Tan. Um, and in fact, we're also beginning the conference with what we're calling a pre-conference intensive. That's a free event on October 14th, which is a Friday called Beyond Inclusivity, Making Yoga Truly Accessible with four yoga teachers with disabilities, uh, Matthew Sanford, Donna Noble, Ryan McGraw, and Natalia Tabillo. And I'll be hosting that as well. And they're gonna give, uh, there'll be panel discussions and workshops with those amazing teachers. Again, that's a free event on Friday, October 14th. I hope you'll join us for that. So thanks everyone for being here. Thank you, Anjali, for all of this. Thank you all so very much for being here. And thanks for listening to the podcast, if you're listening, and I hope you'll join us for our future episodes. Take care, everybody. Okay, bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us for the Accessible Yoga Podcast. We're so grateful to be in community with you. Please check out our website, accessibleyoga.org, to find out more about our upcoming programs, including our annual Accessible Yoga Conference. At our website, you can also learn more about how to become an ambassador and support the work that we're doing in the world. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review wherever you listen. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also submit a question or suggest a topic or potential guests you would like us to interview at accessibleyoga.org. See you next time.